Good afternoon and welcome to Community Focus at JJY. I'm Ken Thomas along with Tess Taylor. Today, our guests are from Camp Ripley. Uh, With us today, Mr. Tony Housey, who is in the Camp Ripley Public Affairs Office, and Captain Zach Liu, who is the Assistant Superintendent for the Consolidated Maintenance Activity. Uh, First of all, gentlemen, welcome to Community Focus. Thank you. Uh, Captain Liu, I think we'll start with you today. Um, so the first thing I'm going to say is <laughs> consolidated maintenance activity. Huh? What in the world <laughs> is CMA all about? Well, hey, good afternoon. That's a, that's a great question. It's uh, kind of an anomaly even within the full-time uh, National Guard in the United <laughs> States Army. Uh, so it's a combination of about four or five separate shops that all um, work on a, a pretty complex fleet of vehicles that we have here in the Minnesota Army National Guard. Uh. And, and with that, um, those different shops work together to fix, um, for example, a tank. So the, the unit here in Brainerd, the uh, 10194 Combined Arms Battalion, has about 29 tanks and 18 Bradley fighting vehicles, which is about $150 million in not a lot of vehicles. That wow. Crews that come in and work on those one week in a month, two weeks a year. And it turns out that um, with a $3 million tank or a $3.4 million Bradley, um, soldiers break things. And with that, um, what we do is between their drills is we do everything we can to get those back operational so that by the time they're here for their next uh, one weekend training, that it's ready to go so they can go ahead and be prepared for their follow-on missions or anything that they need to use that vehicle for. Very, very interesting. You know, I'm, I, I hesitate to uh, work on my vehicle, <laughs> <laughs> and I'm thinking of the price tag on that. Ooh. and. There must be some specialized training that takes place before uh, these guys start working on these, I would, I would assume. Oh, absolutely. And that's uh, what's really unique about our workforce. So within the CMA, we have uh, just shy of 240 people um, in a variety of duty status. Some of them are uh, active Guard Reserve soldiers, uh, AGR soldiers. Most of them are dual status technicians like myself, which means that they're paid on a federal civilian pay scale, but they wear the uniform every single day. And part of the way they get these jobs here at camp is by being a member of a traditional National Guard unit where they hold a military occupational specialty to quite specifically be a tank mechanic, a Bradley mechanic. So out of those 240 folks, everyone has a very specific job that was trained by the Army to do that thing. And that's kind of the virtue of how they have these positions. Very interesting. So tell us a little bit about yourself, Captain Lou. How did you come up through the ranks to get into the CMA? Uh, pure luck, I guess, would be the way I'd answer that. Um, so I've been a, a full-time guard guy uh, since about 2012. Um, I commissioned as a, a young second lieutenant and was very lucky to start as a uh, operations officer in Moorhead, where I helped uh, one of those units with Tanks and Bradleys uh, plan their training throughout the year. There's, um, again, throughout every kind of facet of the National Guard, there's some pretty great guys in the background doing what they can to make sure that training happens. Um, so I was there until about 2016 um, when I had an opportunity to come down here to Camp Ripley and change from uh, helping infantry units tra- train to um, working in logistics. Uh, Camp Ripley is actually the logistics hub for the Minnesota Army National Guard. Mm-hmm. So there's quite a bit of uh, infrastructure down here and quite a bit of opportunity. And I uh, just started working in maintenance and slowly worked my way up and uh, got moved into this position in January of 2019. Oh, wow. So I would have to think that, uh, uh, well, I've got a few questions. And I'm going to start with the fact that uh, a tank, in, uh, and I'm a civilian that doesn't know much, but I'm going to assume they weigh a lot. So 
I mean, you're observant, Ken. Yeah, thanks. <laughs> uh, so, Captain Lou, uh, I mean, do you have specialized lifts and equipment and a service center for these things? Oh, a- absolutely. So, um, the, they weigh quite a bit. So, when you talk about a, a tank and uh, however many tons that is, it's, it's more than two. Um, but we have specialized, uh, like a wrecker. So you have a tow truck that's essentially built on a very similar to a tank chassis, which can tow 70,000 pounds. Wow. So tow them around when they, they break down, we have, you know, a fleet of wreckers that can tow 70,000 pounds. So there, there's, there's that, there's the lifts in the shop. I mean, it's, it's a very interesting facility. It's a very, uh, army maintenance is a very complex thing that I'm still learning about every day. I was going to say it's probably an ongoing learning process. Yeah. And and just to clarify, too, so do you work on everything on the tank? So, in other words, not only the uh, the engine, the drivetrain, and so on and so forth, but how about the firing mechanism and all of the above? Uh, so one of our specialized shops uh, at the CMA is we have an armament section, which specifically focuses on um, things that go boom, uh, barrels, <laughs> optics, uh, breaches on uh, artillery pieces. Uh, and so there's a, a small team that does just those uh, more complex firing pieces. But then we have people that do chassis and turret stuff as well. So there's uh, a lot of specialists involved. Man. And I know, Captain Lou, my vehicle uh, has a few computers in it nowadays. I would imagine those tanks even more so. Oh, a- absolutely. Uh, one of the easiest ways to uh, break a very expensive tank is by having a, a radio wire that's wrong. Uh, there's Yikes. Uh, troubleshooting the electronic system. Uh, we also have an incredibly capable uh, electronic shop, which is uh, Chief Warrant Officer Paul Rank. He's in charge of that, and he's uh, been at the CMA for about 32 years now. Oh, my um, gracious. He's phenomenal at that stuff. So um, we're very fortunate in some of the experience we have there. Man, oh, man. I can't even. <laughs> yeah. A lot of work for one vehicle, you know. And I would think, based on the number of vehicles that are in action all the time with the various trainings, you're busy all the time, aren't you? Uh, so uh, that's uh, one point where I have to disagree, Ken. Um, I actually have the easiest job at the CMA. So I uh, have, with my, uh, out of that 240, I manage about 160 of them. And uh, my four supervisors, uh, that's Mr. Paul Marinke, Mr. Sam Sherwood, Mr. John Tabbitt and Darren Schmidt are uh, by far the most professional guys I've ever worked with in my life. Um, and I just show up and they make me look great every day. So they're the ones responsible that, huh? <laughs> yeah, I, I just, you know, stand on the shoulder of giants. <laughs> That's amazing. Yeah. So does your, if you will, um, duty list continue to grow with uh, advanced technology that comes your way as well? Uh, absolutely. So as the Army gets a new piece of equipment, um, say it's a, a new site for one of these vehicles or uh, a new suspension for uh, an older vehicle, there will be a operational fielding team that will come in and teach both the operators how to operate that equipment and the maintainers how to maintain it. So the Army is, as a whole, very good about keeping us trained and sending in trainers when we have things that change like that. Yeah, fascinating. Now, I know we had talked to uh, uh Tony, earlier this year, Tony Housie, about the fact that you guys had a big mobilization out to the West Coast. That must complicate your life a little bit as well. Absolutely. And so the National Training Center, the Fort Irwin, California, that's a – essentially it's a a full deployment in the span of a month. So we take everything that we have here in Minnesota that we would need to do a a full-scale combat operation – 
and we put it on the train. Uh, we take it out to California. We get it off the train. We prep it for the uh, laser tag war, and we um, fight a pretend enemy for 10 to 14 days. depends on the rotation. With uh, the coronavirus, this one was a little bit shorter. Yeah. Um, it, it was definitely interesting. So uh, not only did we prep those vehicles uh, for that mission, we had to recover them immediately after. Um, so we usually have a lot of timelines of, hey, we have to get – 90% of these vehicles operating in 45 days, per se. Wow. Oh How long there's does it take to get the parts? At all times. What was that? There's, there's definitely some time constraints most of the time. Yeah. And we've just been talking about activities in your training here stateside. You must have some of your uh, staff, I would uh, assume, get deployed from time to time because don't you have to have the same type of capability uh, around the world, wherever those vehicles are in needed. Yeah. In, in needed. Absolutely. And, and that's, I think, one of the most challenging portions of um, leading this team is that um, our technicians uh, are all traditional guard guys, so they have, and gals, they have deployments where they're gone for 10 months, 11 months. They have uh, regular drills where, hey, they're, this person's out today. So with those specialities, you still have, hey, that guy I needed to do this thing is gone. Who else do we have that we can train or right. come over here and help with this? So it's um, a lot of the things that a lot of our civilian employers that employ guard members right now are dealing with as far as, hey, this is a huge part of my team, and they're off doing something else right now. Um, but that's always a challenge. And then let's pile on COVID, and uh, there's lots of challenges for all in the military, is there not? That absolutely, can. Yeah. So I have to ask, too, I, I know some of our most recent deployments have been in parts of uh, the Middle East, and I would think sand is not good for <laughs> any vehicle. Uh, have you adapted to that, you know, the different terrain that you may face? Uh, so most of our uh, Army equipment, just due to the last uh, what, 19 years of the what the Army's been doing, do actually better in sand than they do in uh, negative 20 Camp Ripley February, <laughs> believe it or not. <laughs> Oh, wow. <laughs> well, see, that was going to be my next question, because you have to have yeah. those vehicles ready to go in sand and very warm temperatures or in the snow and cold. So you've kind of answered that question. The snow and cold, I know it's tough on uh, our cars. It's tough on those vehicles, too. Absolutely. Hmm. Uh, fascinating. What's the most interesting vehicle that you work on, if you can share that information? Yes. Yeah, absolutely. So um, the Brigade Engineer Battalion that's uh, headquartered out of Stillwater, they have quite a bit of their equipment here at Camp Ripley, too. Um, but they have some really unique things. Uh, they have a, a bridge launcher, which is really cool. So it takes a uh, it's about a 60-foot bridge. Uh, I'm not an engineer by trade. Um, and basically what that does is that can span a, a short uh, creek or a, a ditch, and basically it's like a tank driving around with a bridge on top. And when you watch it deploy, it's, it's kind of neat to watch a – massive bridge just get launched out and wow a, a gap okay that's cool <laughs> that'd be a sight to see yeah no doubt interesting well we could talk to you all day uh <laughs> because it's very interesting what you do uh is it as interesting for you every day oh i i, I again I, I go back to I, I have a, a really easy job but it's also incredibly rewarding so i uh I'm very lucky with the, the team I get to be on and just getting to wear the uniform every day. It's it's really a good thing for me. Well, Captain Lou, it's just been fun talking to you. Thanks for sharing uh, about that fascinating job that you have with the National Guard at Camp Ripley. It's been a pleasure.
Yeah. Tony, let's talk a little bit about some of the operations going on and what's happening at Camp Ripley. Absolutely. Yeah, we're we're staying busy. Um, if you will, um, let's talk about uh, the partners and law enforcement and so on uh, that you've been dealing with over the years. Is that still happening right now? That is still happening. You know, that's that's one of our unique things, and it's something that we've focused on uh, over the past couple of months is we're, we're kind of redoing um, our autobiography a little bit as far as the camp and the, uh, the history of the camp. We, we got to see how how we've changed and evolved. Uh, and it's not just a military training installation anymore. We we opened up the doors in the, in the mid-'90s for local law enforcement and a few other state partners to come up and utilize the space, utilize our facilities and our resources, and, and really, uh, you know, buckle down on some of their training requirements and, and things like that. And that has uh, helped out considerably, uh, you know, not just the cooperation between the state partners, but the uh, efforts across the board as being a good neighbor and everything. Mm-hmm. We, we kind of heard earlier, I think it was last week, that normal training for snowplow drivers that you guys provide the land for, uh, they're because of COVID-19, that is not happening? Or is it happening just in a smaller capacity and people are kind of on their own, communities are on their own? Right. It, yeah, that was something that we worked with the uh, Minnesota Department of Transportation on for uh, quite a few weeks uh, once we got hit with COVID and, and had to change our practices a little bit. And mm-hmm. they... You know, they made the call early about not coming up to Camp Ripley and doing their uh, different segments of the of the two-week training course. So they're doing all their training uh, locally within the different communities now uh, under these circumstances. Ho- hopefully they'll be back up at Ripley because I know that that was a great opportunity for them uh, and especially for us when uh, we were kind of wrapping down or wrapping up some of our military training. Mm-hmm. Um, and our space was opened up for, for them. Yeah. All right. Um, talk about, about your environmental teams this time of the year. What are they up to? Uh, yeah, they are very busy. They, they've been busy all summer long, and they actually over the past few months they've done uh, quite a bit with the uh, Army-compatible usage buffer and then the Sentinel Landscape Program that, that surrounds Camp Ripley. That's right. Yeah. Uh, they've worked a lot with uh, the city of Baxter and uh, Crow Wing County to, to develop some areas that uh, we're able to keep um, in, in uh, forested conditions, in, in natural resource conditions and whatnot. And uh, that helps us out, um, you, know, you know, especially when it comes to the idea of development and things like that. The, the last thing we want is to have to uh, make more conditions for uh, being a noisy neighbor. Right. Yeah. <laughs> and that slows down our training process a little bit, and then it doesn't really help the community at all. So, Do I understand that your environmental team is working with the Native American community on something specific? We are. We've maintained that partnership for a couple of years now, um, which is a little bit more interactive. We've been very active with the Native American community for uh, several decades, but cool. uh, just recently we've uh, worked with them on the harvesting of uh, natural plant life, okay. uh, particularly sage and sweetgrass, which is something oh. that, that they use for a lot of different things. Yeah, fascinating. I love that. That's cool. And do I understand the Boy Scouts just had a big camp uh, event at the at Camp Ripley? They did, yeah. We we won't stop for the Boy Scouts. They uh, they got <laughs> out there, 
Yeah, I don't know, I think it was about 40 degrees one morning. Uh, but they got out there hardcore with their tents and, and had a great time camping out. Um, so we're we're congressionally mandated to support the Boy Scouts, uh, you know, for a lot of the things that, that they do. Obviously, we don't let them fire tanks or anything like that. But uh, <laughs> Oh, why not? <laughs> you know. But I'm sure. They, they yeah, they get to come out and utilize our space, and, <laughs> and they do a lot of great activities for the for the kids and everything. Well, if they ever come up with the tank firing merit badge, I'm back in. That's all I gotta say. That's right. I'll sign up. Yeah. Oh my. Hey, uh, Tony. I know in the fall, hunting always takes place. Uh, bring us up to speed on where we are, because deer hunting season is coming up pretty soon. It is, and we uh, we just had a deployed soldiers hunt and a disabled American veterans hunt, and they awesome. uh, harvested about eleven deer out of that. Some nice ten pointers. Ooh. Uh, some really some really great does and and they uh you know it, it, it was really ideal for them and everything so uh today and this weekend we'll actually kick off the first uh of the dnr's civilian uh archery hunt so the that'll be the first weekend the next weekend will be the 30th uh and we have high hopes for um managing our population up here interesting yeah uh, and then, if you will, just tell us about the upcoming trainings that are taking place here as we head into uh, the end of October and November and the end of the year. Right. We, we're not going to make too much noise. Um, we are going to fire a few more things. Uh, some, some artillery will be firing a little bit later this month. Uh, and then uh, our typical uh, support of the different aviation units that will be coming in and out of Camp Ripley. So we'll, we'll do a little bit of flying. Uh, and our helicopter uh, brigade will be coming back. Uh, they're on their way back from a deployment to uh, Central Asia now, so their folks are starting to come back, and they're oh. excited to be back in Minnesota for uh, for football season. <laughs> Sounds good. And law enforcement continues to utilize the facilities as well. They will be, yep, uh, especially uh, the state patrol. They'll be doing uh, wrapping up their, their qualifications and everything. Very good. All right. Well, Tony, we're out of time, but I, I want to say thank you so much to uh, you and Sergeant, uh, or Captain Lou, rather, uh, about uh, all the things we've talked about today. You guys stay safe, and thank you for your service. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks, guys. Our guests today, Mr. Tony Housie in the Camp Ripley Public Affairs Office and Captain Zach Lou, who is an assistant superintendent with the Consolidated Maintenance Activity. I'm Ken Thomas, along with Tess Taylor, and that is today's edition of Community Focus. Don't forget our Community Focus programs can be found anytime on our website. Go to 1067wjjy.com. You can also pick them up through our free downloadable app, which is powered by the Cuyuna Regional Medical Center.